So we, we've been in a study of the person of the gospel. The gospel, the good news. The good news. That's what the gospel is. If you mm. take the person away, you have no gospel. You got no gospel. You just have words. That's what we would have is a group of words without the person. So we know that, that we're dealing with the person of Christ, and we've, we've been gathering that up at John's baptism for the last uh, th three lessons, that John was sent to announce or to give announcement to the Lord Jesus. That's what John was sent to do, is to really gather the hearts of the people of Judah and then God announced, this is my beloved son, I am well pleased. So we have that set up in your Gospels. When you go through the book of Mark, the book of John, I think the book of Matthew, and on in, the, I guess, the book of Luke too, you have reference to that to some measure. In the book of Luke, we get a little bit more of the picture of John the Baptist. And we're going to look a little bit at that, and then we're going to jump back into Isaiah 40, where we were last week. But in Luke chapter 2, I believe, actually chapter 1, we find Verse 5 says, there was, Luke 1, 5, there was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abijah, Abijah, and he had a wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now, if you look at the course of Abijah, you would have to go back into the book of Chronicles and find the priest of Abijah, the lineage of the priesthood in Abijah. So John came from the lineage of the priesthood. And his father being Zacharias, his mother being Elizabeth, in verse 6 says, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. Now it came to pass, while he executed the priest's office before God, in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to enter into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the hour of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zacharias was troubled when he saw him. 
and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, because thy supplication is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And he shall drink no wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn unto the Lord their God, and he shall go before his face. Notice that. He goes before his face in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to walk in the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for him. So John was making ready a people for the Lord. He came before the face of the Lord. I think that's very interesting. The face of the Lord. Moses saw his backside, but John came before his face. Okay? Something to consider here. So when the Lord come down into the water, you know, the heavens open, the spirit comes down as a dove, and the declaration comes, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So you have a open heaven upon the son of God. That's where the heavens open at in the declaration of Jesus Christ. I believe that's still today, the same today. When the apostle John or the writer of Revelation, John, saw the heavens open, what, who did he see? He saw one in the midst of the throne. Who did Paul see when he saw the heavenly vision? He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Who did Stephen see when he saw the heavenly vision? But when he was being stoned and he saw the Lord Jesus standing in the right hand of power. See, when the heavens are open, who you see is Jesus. That's who we see with an open heaven. We see him by the Spirit of God. He was declared to Israel to be the Son of God at John's baptism. And then he was declared throughout all of Judea. See, he didn't stop there at John's baptism. After he went into the wilderness, of course, he comes into the synagogue, as it's written in Luke 4, and tells them today, this day, the word of God is fulfilled in your ears. For the Lord have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up broken hearts, to, to heal those that are oppressed, and, and so forth. You can read Luke 4. But the point there is he came and he said it's fulfilled. 
I'm the anointed of God, is what Jesus was saying. I've been anointed to do the works of God in Jerusalem. And he went out all Judea doing what? Healing the sick, delivering those oppressed with the devil, declaring the acceptable year of the Lord. So God was in Christ, the Bible says, reconciling the world unto himself. He was in Christ. Jesus said, the Father in me do doeth the works. So God was declaring through the works of Jesus Christ the fulfillment of the scriptures. So when I go back into Isaiah and read in the scriptures how the lame are going to walk, the blind are going to see, the deaf is going to hear, Jesus is the fulfillment of it. And he was made known in Jerusalem. Made known there. Intentionally made known there. Had to be made known there to fulfill the scripture. So he came in the power of the Spirit of God to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill all things, to offer himself an offering for sin, and to redeem a people unto God. That's what he came to do. So, when we look at this in the scripture, we look at the voice of one crying in the wilderness, that's why we go back to Isaiah 40, to see the voice, and I start at verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God, speak ye comfortly to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received of Jehovah's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one that crieth, prepare ye in the wilderness the way of Jehovah, make level in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the uneven shall be made level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of Jehovah shall be revealed. I want you to mark that. The glory of Jehovah shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of Jehovah is spoken. The voice of one saying, cry, and one said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the breath of Jehovah bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. O thou that tellest good tidings to Zion, get up. On a high mountain, O thou that tellest good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord Jehovah will come as a mighty one, and his arm 
We'll rule with him. I want you to mark that. Jehovah shall be revealed, and his arm will rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead those that have their young. All right. Where was the glory of the Lord revealed? Well, you can say at John's baptism. Okay. When Jesus was declared, but look with me at John chapter 11. Go to John 11. We'll start at verse one. I'm going to read several verses here. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, of the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair and her bro whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for what? The glory of God. That the Son of God may be glorified thereby. So Jesus says the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Well, if you read this whole story, Lazarus dies. Does he? I mean, Jesus has to get plain with them and tell them, you know, he tells them Lazarus is asleep. And they say, well, it's good that he's asleep. He's resting. And Jesus has to get plain with them that they understand Lazarus is dead. And he comes into their midst. And of course, Martha comes out to meet him when he comes. And she has something to say to Jesus, doesn't she? Like a lot of us probably would. Verse 21, Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. And even now I know that whatsoever thou shalt ask of God, God will give thee. And Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Sounds like people I know right there. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, he that believeth on me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth on me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now, I love her confession here. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I have believed that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, even he that cometh into the world. Now, Martha has a great confession here. I believe you are the Son of God. Even he that was to come into the world. So here's Lazarus dead. 
Martha coming out to meet him. And Jesus, I want to capture back in her mind what Jesus told his disciples before they went there. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God should be glorified thereby. And I want to bring back in your mind that the glory of Jehovah shall be revealed. Now I want you to come down to verse 38. Verse 38 here. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time the body decayeth, for he had been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou believest, thou should see, what? The glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. Why did he always know he heard him? Because he was in Christ. The Father in me doeth the works. He says, I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the multitude that stands around, I said it, that they may believe that thou didst send me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth. Here's the glory of God. He that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, loose him. And let him go. So if you believe, you're going to see the glory of God. The glory of God is the resurrection. Lazarus was speaking of Christ himself here. And the church. Jesus told him, come forth, Lazarus, and he came forth. And then he said, loose him and let him go. Put off the grave clothes. Put off the old man. Put off the old mind. And live in this life that Jesus talked about there when he said, I am the resurrection, and the life. Live in this life, because he that believeth on me shall never die. Believest thou this? Because you pass, Apostle John writes, from death unto life. But now flip over to Matthew. Book of Matthew, chapter 17. Here's the glory of God again. And after six days, verse 1, Matthew 17, 1, after six days, Jesus takes with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, 
and brings them up into a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them. <laughs> and his face did shine as the sun, the light of the new day, his shining face. Here's the new day. When he shines in our heart, this is the light Paul sees when he sees a light brighter than the sun. And his face did shine as the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Why do you suspect Moses and Elijah were standing there talking to him? He that believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So there appeared Moses and Elijah talking with him. Peter answered, said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, I will make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was yet speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise. And be not afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one. I think it's Mark says they saw no man, save Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Until the resurrection. Why then? They couldn't understand it. At least I believe until the Spirit came. So he says, tell them, tell no man what you see until the resurrection from the dead. Now, Jesus prays in John 17, what he tells God, he tells the Father in John 17, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. Now, Father, glorify me with thine own self. With the glory I had with you before the world was. Here's why. He said to not say anything after resurrection. And then he comes on in that dialogue, if you read John 17, and he says, I will be glorified in them. So he's glorified in Israel. He's revealed by John. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He raises Lazarus from the dead, and he tells the folks there, you're going to see the glory of God, the resurrection. Then he transfigures in front of Peter, James, and John, showing them the resurrection. And he says, Father, glorify me with thine own self that I may be glorified in them. 
that I may come into them and show them my glory. And Apostle Paul understands that and says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this glory, this transfiguration that was on the mountain is this light and understanding and knowledge of God that's being revealed in your heart in the face of Jesus Christ. The light shining. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. His face shined as light. So, so can we say when we see the light, by the Spirit of God, we're seeing the face of Jesus. That the light and understanding of God in Christ is the face of Jesus. Can we say that? I believe we can. Because we live or walk in the light as he is in the light. Is that how what John says? We walk in the light as he is in the light and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So then you get into the scripture, God calls your face to shine on us. Cause your favor. God's face shining on the Israelites was favor on them. Now, when this light and knowledge and understanding of the Lord shines on you, you're in favor, honey. Thy sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And you're dwelling in the riches of God himself. Now, that's favor. Comfort you, comfort you, my people. Her warfare is over. That's favor. I'll give you a double portion for your sins. That's favor. That's the face of the Lord shining because what he gives you is all that's shining in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the double portion. His reward is with him. Now, what was with him when Jesus was walking through Galilee? The Holy Ghost was upon him. The Father was in him. The fullness of God was there present in Christ. So, yeah, you could say the reward was with him, all right. The Spirit of the living God. The favor of the Lord that he would bestow on you what he did in Christ. Now, that's favor. And if the children of God would get a hold of that and walk in it, that what God did in Christ is now bestowed on you. Well, how do I get a hold of it and walk in it? The light shines. I see the light of the knowledge of the Lord. And I walk in what I see. I don't let anything come in here and tell me anything different. I walk in what I see of the Lord. And I begin to declare it. You can confess that to yourself. We've confessed a lot of things to ourselves. 
Why don't you confess that God has bestowed on you the goodness of Jesus Christ? That you are complete in him? That's a great bestowing of the Lord. He has sanctified you in the beloved. He has made you accepted in Christ. We can go on and on. This is bestowed upon this is given to you. I give you, the Lord says. As in this this morning, God given. Now, real quick, because I've been a little bit longer here, in the glory of the Lord being revealed, ultimately it was revealed in Israel. And now by the Spirit of God, the person of Christ, who is the glory of God, who is glorified with God himself, is revealed in you. Is revealed in you. That I may be glorified in them. Okay. Now coming on to the arm of the Lord. His arm shall rule for him. Isaiah says. His arm. Well, again. See we're, we're preaching the person of the gospel. So the arm of the Lord is none other than Jesus Christ himself. But it's speaking of him in terms of his work on Calvary. In Isaiah 52.9, the Bible says, Break forth into joy, sing together your waste places of Jerusalem, for Jehovah hath comforted his people. Here's that comfort again. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. Jehovah hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of the nation, and all of the earth has seen the salvation of our God. What did he make bare? Jesus Christ. What did he do? Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. That's the salvation of our God. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who have believed our message? And to whom has the arm of Jehovah been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, he had no form nor comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows." Look, look at the battle the Lord won for you. Look at him bearing his holy arm. He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, spit of God and, afflict, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So you could say, comfort ye, comfort ye, the people, your warfare's over because Jesus bore your sorrow. 
He took your transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And then it goes on down into Isaiah 53 and says, he shall see his seed. Speaking of the resurrection. He shall prolong his days. He shall be given a portion with the great. Father, glorify me with thine own self. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So now all of this comes together of Isaiah in the Lord Jesus. It all finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. And all of that fulfillment that's in the Lord Jesus finds its way into our hearts by Christ being in us and being revealed in us. And see, when I go back and read Exodus, when God goes in and takes out the Jewish people and brings them out of Egypt, how did he do it? By his arm, by his right hand, by his glorious power. Exodus 15, 16 says, I know I'm jumping fast, but Exodus 15, 16 says, terror and dread falleth upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they are still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Jehovah, till the people pass over that thou hast purchased. When you begin to study the arm of the Lord, the power and might of Christ, that's where the arm of the Lord finds its fulfillment in the power and might of Christ. You begin to see the victory that's in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You begin to hear the victory that's at Calvary. Till my people pass over. Apostle John says you passed over from death into life. That's a little bit better than going to Canaan land. You're coming out of death, out of Adam. And you're coming into life who is Christ. A new day. Rising up in your heart. Being made known by the Spirit of the living God revealing Christ in you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. See, this word, this Old Testament word, all the way through here, you should look at it and see Jesus. He said it testifies of him. He opened their understanding that they would understand it in relationship to them. See, he's the arm of the Lord. He's the right hand of God. So when I come and read that he's seated at the right hand of God, I understand the authority and power of God's right hand because it's laid out in the scripture by God's mighty right hand, by God's arm. He brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them over and over again. So his right hand and his arm finds fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. Book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 19. 
Now here's the power of God's right hand. It says, and what the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Wow. According to the working of the strength of his might. That's some might, folks. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. There's the resurrection again. And made him sit at his own right hand in heavenly places. His own authority, his own power. God is spirit. Christ is the right hand of God, the authority, the power, the work he did at Calvary. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? Here, here's what. Look at that. It's according to the working of his strength, of his might, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion every name that is named not only in this world but in that which is to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. You're going to get filled with some good things. There's God's might toward you. It's what he did in Christ. There's the glory of God, just like we looked at earlier in Lazarus. There's the right hand of the Lord. There's the arm of the Lord revealed. What God did in Christ when he raised him from the dead. See, Jesus came in and raised Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus died again. Jesus said, he that believes on me shall never die. Believest thou this? We have been raised into eternal life. Right now, you have eternal life. You have passed out of death, and you're in life. That eternal life that you're in is Christ Jesus the Lord. Yes. Now that's the might of his power. He raised him out from the dead. And all of that is to you who believe. To comprehend all this that's in Christ. That's why. To comprehend it, to get a hold of it. To dwell in it. To walk in the victory of it, to share it in the earth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, folks, we got something to share because the living Christ that's raised from the dead 
lives in you and you dwell in him. He's your home. We dwell in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is our life. Well, I'll stop right here tonight. We haven't seen Brother Register in a while, so we'll just start right off with him. <clears throat>